for a living, taking what they're given. Welcome to the Poseidon Podcast, hosted by four guys who think they know what they're doing. Don't yank it, crank it. Tune in as we cuss and discuss our crazy lives, tell fish stories, and make you a better fisherman. Three, two, one, and now let's get started. questions question 11 through 20 but before we get started um and i will preference this story with whenever you have boats they break it's part of the game it happens all the time and you just have to be prepared to fix them like poseidon employs two full-time mechanics to maintain three boats <laughs> like I would rather have horses. <laughs> Actually, I do have horses, and I promise you, I would rather have more horses than ever to buy another boat. Boats are stupid expensive. I love them, but it is brutal on the pocketbook. And so basically, we were on a charter, and a boat decided to kick the bucket. Lower unit went out on us. And uh, Matt, take it away. Okay, so I got a good story. So. <laughs> Captain Dustin over there, um, he likes to, I mean, don't get me wrong. We all love the money, right? But Quiz will pull triples, like, all the time. Like, he always wants them. And, I mean, I, I'll do them, too. Uh, you know, they're, they're, good, they're good to do every once in a while. But uh, So I ran two doubles that day. Or, no, I didn't run a double. I had a, did I have an eight-hour? I think I had an eight-hour. Yeah, I had an eight-hour charter. So when I got done with my eight-hour, um, Hunter calls me. He's like, hey, man, boys just broke down. He's got a shark trip, um, a six to ten. Do you mind staying by just in case they don't make it back in? Because he was actually towing the boat from um, from offshore. So they were, they were towing it back in. It was a really long tow. I'm like, all right, yeah, no problem. So I went, I grabbed the, uh, I grabbed the trailer took it to the storage lot, grabbed the other trailer for um, our ranger. And so it's like, I think it's about 5.15. I keep calling Quiz. He's not answering. Dustin, Dustin's not answering. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting out of this uh, this night trip. And uh, so I'm sitting at the house, and I'm like, man, I'm really tired. I really don't feel like running this one tonight. But I will if I have to. And uh, so Dustin's coming back in. I call my boss, and Brian's pulling them back, and they're like, hey, we're like 15 minutes out of Cockroach, which Cockroach Bay isn't, you know, that far from the house. So it's like 5, 10, 5, 15 at this point. You know, the charter starts at 6. So I'm like, I, I gas up the boat, put ice in it, rig all the rods, get everything ready. And um, I'm basically like, no, Dustin's not getting out of this. He's thinking he's going home. He's like, yeah, I broke down today. It's going to be, a, you know, I'm I'm pretty glad I didn't have to run that last trip. 
And uh, so I thought it would be a good idea to load the boat. And I actually ran out there and met them on the water and was like, hey, bud, uh, have fun on your charter. And I hopped on the boat that was being towed and Quiz had to hop back on the one that was going on the charter. <laughs> I was going home and I just delivered the boat to him. <laughs> that was pretty good. He thought he was going home early. He thought he was going home early. And uh, nope, that was not the case. Freaking funny. Golly. Well, so rolling into the question number 11, and this is one I'm pretty excited about. Um, basically, when on the water, there's, I don't know if it's captain's gift, you know, territorial about their spots and you know they they hate fishing on top of each other and and whatever else and by that i mean other captains will fish right next to each other as a team because it's all you know for the greater good but when it's other captains on the water and we're rolling up to the same spot it can get a little antsy so question 11 is have you ever feuded with another captain on the water if so what happened Captain Dustin. Oh, baby. Okay, I got a good one. This is the, like, what, three weeks ago, maybe? Matt, was it three weeks ago? Yeah. yeah. Somewhere around there. I think it was two so, were hot. Yeah, it, it's been recently. This is the first time I've ever feuded with a captain in, in uh, the Tampa Bay area. So I have a, it's a eight to two charter, six hours. It's inshore. And, uh, so I'm going, I'm in the river fishing. The bite's not really on the river, so I'm going to take it out to the flats. And I'm going to the Piney Point Oyster Bar, which is a well-known area. Anyone who fishes Tampa Bay knows where this oyster bar is. So <clears throat> I take the little flats boat. I'm on the way there. I'm, uh, I'm cruising just down where the, uh, the no wake zone signs are. And I see this boat, and the boat is pretty close to the oyster bar, like like because you know we're 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 like a half a mile out from the land to when you run the uh, the no wake zone. So as I'm running the no wake zone, I see the boat, and I'm like, okay, well it's relatively close to the oyster bar. So as I get closer, I see, all right, well this boat's you know this boat's a little ways away from the oyster bar. So I pull up there because if it's a boat that I don't know. I don't like getting super close to them. That's just because where I'm from, I'm from a really small area. We don't get close to people. Here in Tampa Bay, it's a lot different. You can get close to a lot of people, but I don't like getting close to people. So I'm pulling up there. I'm, I'm, I'm in the no wake zone, the manatee area. So I'm idling up, and this boat is like at least a quarter of a mile away from this oyster bar. It's a long ways away. And I see these two guys... They're wade fishing. They park their boat about a quarter of a mile from the oyster bar, and they're they're wading, and they're they're about halfway between the oyster bar and their boat, which is still several hundred yards away. So I'm pulling up to the oyster bar, and I see these guys walking towards the oyster bar, but they're still three or four hundred yards away from the oyster bar. So I'm like, all right, I'm giving them plenty of space. I can go up there and fish this oyster bar without any issues. So I, I'm, as I'm slowly idling up, they're steadily walking straight towards me. And uh, so I get to the oyster bar, and 
I'm listening and I'm hearing them talk and I'm hearing them say like this smart ass stuff like like he's the reason we make he's the reason all the captains are looking bad and all this shit and I'm like what I'm like are they talking shit about me and uh, so I throw the anchor get us on the oyster bar I throw some chummers out because we I had a bunch of live bait that day. And I'm steadily, they're steadily walking towards me, and I'm hearing them just talking shit about me the whole time. And uh, so he says something, and, and, and it just set me off. And, and I, I've been whispering to my clients. I'm like, hey, guys, you know, I think he's talking shit about us. So if I act a little unprofessional here, you know, I, I'm sorry. And then the client's like, oh, well, I'll act unprofessional. He's like, I'll act unprofessional for you. And I was like, all right. So um, I hear the guy say, I don't even remember what he said to me that pissed me off. But he's like, oh, yeah, throw your little fucking chummers out there. You know, you ain't going to catch shit. Throw these little small-ass snug. He's making all the other captains look bad. And finally I turned around to him and I yelled at him. I was like, dude, you parked a fucking quarter of a mile from this oyster bar. He said, yeah, but we were walking that way, so you shouldn't have parked here. I was like, okay, so that means because you're walking in this fucking direction, I can't park a mile down there? I was like, so the whole fucking bay is yours because you're walking that direction? And he didn't have shit to say. And then I was like, just shut the fuck up. And then he said something else to me, and I was like, all right, guys, you know what? We're just going to go. And, and my clients were like, yeah, let's just go. And I was like, all right, let's go. So we left. And I have no idea. This is how far his boat was away from me. I couldn't even read the name, the brand of the boat he was driving because he was so far away. And and I hope I see his fat ass again. It's a fat captain. He drives a gray boat, and I would love to see your fat ass again. So please come to see us. <laughs> Boy, you got heated. <laughs> Holy moly. I'm still heated. I'm sweating right now. I'm sweating right now because I'm so mad. I'm like, dude, I want to hurt this guy. Like, what an everybody knows. <laughs> I want to hurt so, this guy. <laughs> just so everybody knows who's listening, uh, we have like a group chat. <laughs> like, what, and we're texting each other while we're talking. <laughs> Captain Matt in the middle of it is like, Quit cussing. <laughs> and I'm like, he's heated. You just got to let him go. Just, just let him do it. He's got to get it out. Trying to get sparked, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a sailor. Oh, it's so funny. Whoa, well, Captain Drew, what you got, bro? Well, it's going to be hard to top that. Um, so I... I don't know. I'm if anybody knows me, I'm I'm very calm and I I don't get I I have very long fuse. I don't have really big of a temper. Um and so I guess really I only time I really had the like what the heck moment is uh this guy I was fishing um over in the Anna Maria area and Joe's Bay. Yeah, in the bay pretty much. And I was sitting there and he came around a corner and it was a known captain. I'm obviously not to say any names just in case. Uh, and he came around, got all pissy that I was in his spot, quote unquote, and whipped a Yui, jumped up on plane. Actually, before that, he rooster tailed. Um, rooster mean trimmed the motor up and 
you know, gunned it a little bit and kind of threw a bunch of water to scare, I'm assuming scare everything. And then, then he took off like, you know, like he was all big and bad. But other than that, I don't know, little, I just, you know, go, I'm the bigger person. I try to be at least and just go and do my thing. There's plenty of, plenty of spots, plenty of, uh, areas around here. You just, it's not worth it, especially when you have clients on board. But if you have clients that are ready to tussle too, then yeah, so let's go. <laughs> you see me fighting a bear, you better jump in and help the bear, you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, yeah, I just don't know what gets in people's minds to like, what makes you do that? It's like road rage times 10. I mean, it's just stupid. Anyway, yeah, and speaking of road rage, you see that guy who got cut off in Tampa the other day and then uh, whipped out his nine and shot up the car that in front of him 10 times? Yeah, that was wild. Was that yeah. Tampa? That's Tampa. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, that That's was crazy. wild. Anyway, Captain Matt, what you got? Um, So, I don't really have – so, can I do, like, kind of two? The one will be pretty quick. So, basically, like, the worst part I've had is – uh, so, I'll just go out and say Cockroach Bay. In the summertime, there's certain areas in Tampa, uh, Cockroach and Piney Point Ferry Docks where the snook are just, like, everywhere. If you got a lot of live bait, you can just chum like crazy, and you're going to – there's so many snook there. Well, I was fishing – when you pull into Cockroach Bay, there's a little kayak trail. And uh, so I was fishing one side of the line. And basically the way it is, is every day when you're in there, you're going to see captains in there every day. Uh, I call it Captain's Cove pretty much. There's, like, at least five boats in there. And these fish, they're everywhere in there. So there's really not necessarily, like, a perfect spot you need to be in. And um, so I was at the end of the mangrove line, and there's captains everywhere and uh, in the spot that we're normally fishing. And everybody tries to stay away at least, you know, three, 400 feet away from each other. And so I was next to Rocky, and Rocky's one of the guys that we used to actually, um, before we had, like, the house in the office, he used to be Boat a... Boat neighbor. What was that? Boat neighbor. Yeah, he was he was in the slips next to us. So he was a pretty cool dude. And uh, we had a guy pull up in between the both of us when there was still the whole other side of the mangrove, which the snook are going to be over there too. And he pulled up like literally in between us within casting distance. So his clients were basically casting over my client's lines. And uh, I didn't say anything. I just kind of mumbled under my breath. I just kind of made him look you know, kind of dumb in front of his clients. I was just like, uh, let's go out. Let's get out of here, guys. This guy obviously needs to catch some fish, save his trip. And uh, we <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Uh, that's good. I like that. It was funny because I went right across and we started catching them again. It's like you don't need to be, you know, within casting distance. Like it tells me a lot about how your charter's going if you really got to pull up, you know, right next to us. Mm. But uh, the funniest one I have in Georgia, my poor girlfriend, she might be a little upset about this one. But so about three, no, four years ago, a previous girlfriend I had, this was like the first time um, I took her out on my boat with me. And uh, so me and my buddies, we found a school of redfish in the Courtney Campbell Causeway. And, I mean, we were just, you know, wearing them out. It wasn't a school. It was in the flats where, you know, you get a lot of boats next to you. That's fine. But this is on a particular mangrove line. And uh, so we're catching red, you know, one after the other, one after the other. And we're throwing artificial. 
And um, so this dude in the action craft, like, literally pulls up and power pulls right next to me. Same thing. I could literally step off of the gunnel of my boat and hop in his. Like, that's how close, you know, we were. So me trying to impress people, I, I'm, I start yelling at him. I'm like, dude, you got the whole you know, you got the whole bay, and you come in, you're right next to me, like, what's wrong with you, dude? Like, where's your etiquette in this stuff? I mean, I just start going off on him, and uh, so me and him, we get into a big argument. You know, at this point, I'm chucking egg weights at his boat, at his gel coat. Um, We're getting heated, and I mean, at this point, I'm like, I think I'm, yeah, I'm like 16, 17 years old, and I'm talking to two dudes, and, I mean, they were big. They were big dudes. They were probably in their, you know, 30s or 40s. And uh, so they they move off a little bit. And um, so every time we hook a red, I would be like, oh, look, there's another one, like being loud, obnoxious, at this point just being straight up ignorant. And uh, he's like, but I'm going to come over there and I'm going to whoop your ass. And I'm like, dude, you ain't getting on my boat. Like, we're just going back and forth, back and forth. And, I mean, we're – yelling at each other heavy and i oh there's another one there's another one dang bet you wish you found this school earlier i mean we're just you know i'm just at this point i'm just acting a fool and uh the whole time i was doing that i'm like lord please do not let this dude come on my boat because i will literally get killed like <laughs> I mean, these dudes were huge and i was so scared but i did not want to blow my cover and just you know they, they just left they left us alone but uh it was pretty wrong of him to get that close, but I mean, it, it was that. That's a funny story because is that why you is that why you broke up with her because she didn't have your back, like she wasn't like backing you up? No, no. Lord knows you would have needed it. This was in like high school, but yeah, that was a pretty fun story. But the egg weight stuff that happens a lot, especially in Boca Grande. Yeah, so, what yeah. is up with you guys throwing egg weights? Because, listen, if I get hit with an egg weight, I am going to fucking kill somebody. <laughs> like, I'm going to jail that day for murder. <laughs> Bro, oh. I don't know what's up with you Yankees down here throwing, throwing egg weights. All right. Well, I have a – so I have a story. Um, and This is uh, – speaking of – going to jail for murder. This is one that I could have in about six seconds. So Jess and I, my now wife, um, moved to Columbia, South Carolina like a year ago or something. I can't remember. Maybe a year and a half ago at this point. I don't know. So when you move in, you know how you have to like get everything set up. Like you got to call your cable provider and your internet provider and all that stuff and get them out here to like, you know, set up your house. And so we move in and we call Spectrum, which is the internet provider. And I have no problem using their name <laughs> because of how bad this story is. And um, the only like time they had available was like seven o'clock at night, but no big deal. I was done with work and, and the guy was coming over at seven o'clock. It was dark at that point, And this was like, in the middle of really heavy COVID times. So they send you an email about all this COVID protocol, about how you're going to get a text message when the person arrives, and, and then you're going to have to open the door for them and let the, uh, the person in and stay six feet away from them at all times. And 
you know, all that crap, right? So this guy, like, we get the text message, we open the door, we stay six feet away, we're wearing our masks, the whole nine yards, and this dude comes in, no mask, no nothing, and I have this, like, giant teddy bear on our couch, and it was um, something I gave Jess for Valentine's Day, like, a couple of years ago, and he comes in and slaps this giant teddy bear without saying a word to me and is like, I hate these things. I have a bad experience. And I'm like, uh, okay. He's like, where's your modem or whatever? And I was like, it's over there in the corner. And <laughs> I'm like, already this is super bizarre. And, of course, you know, we put our dogs outside so that this guy could come in and do whatever he needed to do to set up our Internet. And so they're out back, and we have a fenced backyard, and he's, like, working under the counter to try to get, you know, the modem rigged up or whatever. And he stands up and says, I'll be right back. And we left the door open. He just walks out the door. I close it behind him, and he says he'll be right back. The next thing I know, I hear my dogs absolutely screaming bloody murder, like a, a sound I have never heard out of them. It wasn't a bark. It wasn't a squeal. It was, like, truly screaming bloody murder. And I'm thinking, like, the first thing in my mind was a, a raccoon must have gotten in the backyard and they're messing with it or the raccoon's messing with them or whatever. And so I run immediately to the back door and let the dogs in and I tell Jess, run to the, you know, run to the, the bedroom and I got the dogs in the bedroom to see what in the world was going on. And my dog, like, I still get heated about it. I, I mean, oh, just talking about it's getting me frustrated. But the uh, my dog wouldn't open their eyes, and I, and there was like red orange spray all over their body, and I found out that that spectrum guy went into my backyard without permission and pepper sprayed my dogs. Oh baby! Oh no! Oh, oh baby! So. Um, onto the front porch and, you know, said every name in the book to this guy. And I, literally, I, I moved into this house. I'm three days in. So I'm on the front porch with new neighbors and the lights are on in the middle of the night. It's 8 o'clock at this point or whatever. And I'm screaming, you mother, blah, blah, blah. Why the, I can't believe you pepper sprayed my dog. Da, da, da. You better get the F out of here. You're going to get fired tomorrow. You know, you name it. I went absolutely off, went crazy. And um, it was every ounce. I have never been more mad in my entire life. When you think of like, think about having a, a family or a child or whatever, and like somebody hurting your child on purpose, there is no greater anger that you could ever have in your entire life. Like I have never gotten that mad ever. And, um, Anyway, I, I, it was every ounce of control that I had to not absolutely beat this person to a pulp. And uh, anyway, so he left, and we rushed our dogs immediately to the emergency room because they won't open their eyes, the, you know, emergency dog clinic or whatever. And uh, they have to flush their eyes, and they put them on eye drops and antibiotics and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I, I'm so heated and can't believe that this happened and whatever and I'm calling Spectrum and raising absolute you know what and I got to give it to him I was incredibly 
upset at the situation, but they had a guy come out. Uh, like they had like the number two dude in the company at my door by 10 a.m. the next day. And uh, I'll just say they um, settled up financially and everything's okay now. <laughs> so, so it all went away and we didn't say anything about it until now on this podcast. <laughs> so that's my story. It's kind of a crazy one. Yeah, that's like more of issues. I said money fixes everything. No, it it almost didn't fix that one. There might have been not enough money on the planet to fix what I could have done to that guy. Oh, Oh. that's that's a little extreme. And and the worst part about it is, like, if the guy told me that he had to go to the backyard, you know, I would have moved the dogs inside. But he said that he would be right back. He never even asked for permission. And then come to find out, he pepper sprayed my dogs, and my dogs are like, Teddy bears. Y'all have seen them. We bring them to meetings and stuff sometimes when we're down in Florida. Like, they they wouldn't hurt a soul. I mean, he just had to have gone back there and, like, purposely thought to do this, you know? I, I mean, it, it's beyond unbelievable. But, yeah, anyway. Back there, this dog, if this dog barks once, I'm pepper spraying him. Yeah, exactly. 100%. 100%. Anyway, crazy story. Pissed me off big time. Next question. Can you overfish a good fishing spot? Captain Dustin. Joe's Bay. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Joe's Bay. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. You can overfish. Yeah. That's why, that's why if a captain finds a good spot, he's not going to tell anybody because he doesn't want it to get overfished. So do you just, like, you find a good spot, you ride it for a week or two, and then you try to find another one, that, and you don't say anything because you don't want anybody to dry it up any quicker? Well, I'm the team leader, so, I mean, I I got to tell people if they're struggling, I'm going to tell you where my good spots are. But that cut I have in the river, I don't want to tell anybody that, but people are struggling, so, you know, I'm going to tell you. But I'm not going to go out and tell other captains. Like, I'm only going to tell my Poseidon team where to go. I'm not going to go tell anybody else ever. What a nice guy. Truly inspirational. Captain Drew. <laughs> yeah, obviously, uh, I'm going to agree with that one. hundred. Yes. Um, especially if it's, uh, you know, these schooling fish sometimes, you know, they're only there for a little bit anyway. Um, like in, in a you know, the redfish in this time of year, they'll kind of school up and go in certain bays, certain cuts. Uh, but, yeah, if you keep hounding that year, eventually those fish are going to get leery or, you know, you know they're just going to move somewhere else. So I definitely agree with that for sure. Captain Matt. All right, Drew, I love you, buddy. But um, so me, <laughs> the reason why I said Joe's Bay is uh, nothing against Drew. I would do the same thing, but so me, Quiz, um, one of our other team leaders, Cornbread, we found this area, we scouted it, and it was really, really good, and uh, we told we told everybody about it. Let's just say we were catching snook and redfish, and Drew fished it so much, he found flounder, and now Jose is dead. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I don't know how, but Jose Bay became synonymous with Captain Drew. <laughs> it was like, where's Captain Drew going today? 
Go to the bay. <laughs> like, not even a question. If, if you wonder where he is, that's where he is. <laughs> Oh. Well, just, you know, just kind of just to, you know, throw you guys off now. And then you go to Joe's Bay, or you don't go to Joe's Bay, and that's where we think you are still? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I love it. All right, so this next question will be a, um, like a two-parter. And the reason is it's kind of like the same, um, well, you can answer both questions within the same context. So, one question is, what is the best type of chum for catching bait? And also, what type of cast net is best? And I know there's some crazy conspiracies, heavy versus light versus big versus small cast net, I don't know. And I know Captain Cornbread kind of has a little secret ingredient when it comes to chum. Everybody's got their own thing. But anyway, take it away, Captain Dustin. Well, I like the... Uh... What is it? The Purina uh, Tropical Fish Food? I like that pretty good. It works. Um, as far as cast nets go, uh, honestly, it just depends on what time of year and where the bait is. Because normally the bait is going to be on the cockroach towers or the Skyway bridge, or the pier, Skyway pier. Oh, it's on the bridge too, but we mainly go to the pier to catch up. So the Skyway Pier, you're going to need something heavy because it's deep. Most part of the pier is going to be pretty deep water. They're going to be hunkered down where it's about between 15 and 25 feet deep. So you're going to need something heavy. Two pounds per foot is what we prefer um, with a quarter-inch mess. Or you can use three-eighths because my castner that I bought is a Moonlighter, and it's a three-eighths-inch mesh with uh, two pounds per foot. And I've had the best, you know, I love it. That's that's my preferred net. But now if you go to the flats, in the summertime when it's warmer, the bait comes to the flat, and uh, you can use quarter inch. You can use all the way down to like 1.3 pounds per foot because it doesn't have to take as far. It doesn't have to go fast. But when the bait is deep, yeah, you're going to need something something heavy that sinks fast for sure. Well, there you go, Captain Drew. All right, so I like to use Purina. Um, that's just my go-to. You can get it at any feed store, tractor supply, stuff like that. Um, it comes in a 50-pound sack and usually lasts a while, especially if you're uh, not so much avid fisherman, you know, a weekend warrior. Um, that's our go-to. Uh, it's you know cheap. It's about 30 bucks for the the bag and Again, as long as you're consistent, you know, it lasts pretty pretty uh, well. Um, and also, mesh-wise, I like the 3 eighths. Uh we, we throw about 10-foot nets. Uh, the 3-8 is nice. Um, and then sometimes in the summertime or when the bait's smaller, uh, the quarter-inch mesh works for me as well. Um, we, like Quiz said, you know, we do fish certain towers. Uh, Skyway, where it is a little deeper. So, if you can get your hands on a custom net and get a, a two pound per foot, it will help you out in the long run. I've been right next to people that are throwing the normal uh, weights, and I'm throwing a heavier one, and it, it does make a difference for sure that I've seen. Hey, yeah, nobody's a believer in the oatmeal that Captain Cornbread uses for chum. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> 
Fish food's the way to go? Yeah. Captain Matt, what you got? All right. So I'm definitely the uh, custom type net guy. Uh, like Drew said, you'll be next to people. They're throwing those light nets, and they're not doing anything for you. Um, same thing, Purina. I don't really believe – I mean, you have to chum, yes, but majority of the time of the year, you don't even really need chum as long as, you know, the bait's thick. Um, but I throw the same net as Quiz. I put Quiz on the Moonlighters. Uh, they make the two pounds per foot, and that makes an incredible difference. But I do want to say one thing. I learned a trick from Mike Mahoney, um, and what it is is that – so at the Skyway, when you say the bait's deep, you know, and people are throwing their nets and they're not getting the bait, it's because the tide is moving so fast and your net's not sinking fast enough. Um, so those heavy nets, the only problem with the heavy net is so when you throw it, um, a lot of times, by the time it gets to the bottom, it's already closed. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't flow um, like like a one point you know six pound net. It's gonna hit the bottom and it's gonna stay open the entire time. Sometimes those heavy nets they close on the way down, like so, a taco. Yeah. So a really really cool trick, and um, it it works really well. Is this guy taught me, so I wanted to buy a new net, and I couldn't find, you know, the Moonlighter that I wanted. Nobody had them in stock. They're super hard to get. Well, he told me, he said, so when you're at the Skyway, when you position position your boat further out than what you would normally, you know, throw for bait, and what you do is you take an anchor rope, and you tie that to your main line on your cast net. So normally when you throw your cast net, you know, you've got like 20 feet of line. So that's that's how much line you have for that net to, to sink. Well, you can throw those lighter nets if you add, you know, like another 20 feet of anchor line. A lot of times those nets, they'll flow past and they'll just go super, super slow all the way in the back. And then when you add that extra rope, it'll close perfectly and it'll help you out a lot in the long run for bait. Like if you just can't get them, if they're, you know, they're being finicky. Oh, now that is a trick of the trade there. I like that idea. I haven't even, I haven't even, this is the first time I've even talked about it. But that right there, that right there makes a big difference because everybody that's listening to this podcast and talking to this podcast knows there's days where you can see the bait everywhere and you throw and you're not catching any of them. Either they're really fast, you know, as soon as you throw that net, they see it, they're gone. That extra anchor rope, you can throw it way in front of your target and since it's a lighter net, you've got that longer lead line, it'll eventually just trap them. And that works yeah. pretty cool. So that's a cool little trick I learned over the years. That's pretty sweet there. I'm excited about that one. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see how that works. Another trick is um, if you can't keep the bait alive in the live well, ice cream salt. Good old John told us that trick. That's, that's right. That's that oxygen. Yeah, man. So going on to the next question, and this one is a topic, man. I could talk for days. It is the Ford versus Chevy Water Edition, which is Yamaha or Mercury. Captain Dustin. If you want to go fast, get a Mercury. If you want to go far, get a Yamaha. That's all I have to say about that. If you want to break down, get a Mercury. There you you want to... <laughs> I'm telling you that they are... It's kind of like like 
iPhone and Android, you know, like right now, Mercury is probably the iPhone. It's more advanced, but it is almost too advanced. Like you just want it to work. When you turn the key, you just want it to go. And Mercury will tell you that it ran over a jellyfish and it won't go. And I just, all right, I'm done. I can't stand it. Captain Drew. (laughs) So I'm in that same boat, no pun intended. Um, I'm definitely a Yamaha guy. Uh, Mercury, they're awesome. If you're an avid fisherman, weekend warrior kind of guy, it's going a couple times a month kind of thing. Um, you can maintenance it, you know, regularly and you're good. Um, but if you want a workhorse, like for us that are out here every day, um, in my opinion, Yamaha will make you last longer for sure. And uh, bang for your buck, too. I don't know if there's a total price difference, but I I just feel like Mercury might be just a little higher, too, you know, if you're looking to save a little coin as well. Believe it or not, Yamaha is actually a little bit more expensive, is it? Um, but, it, but it is well worth it. And it's like $800 more expensive. It is minuscule when you're buying a $38,000 motor. You know what I mean? I mean, it's no difference, but yeah. And I, and I think that's because of all the technology and everything else that's in these Mercuries. But, and Yamaha is just a premier brand and has been for a long time, but who knows? Captain Matt. Obviously, same thing. Absolutely no-brainer. I would pick Yamaha any day. Um, like you said, if you want to go fast, get a Mercury. If you want reliability, go Yamaha. Um, I personally have on one of my boats, I've got like a shallow water um, skiff that I run. I actually, I do have a Mercury on it just because I like the torque. I can run a lot shallower, but it's also blown up three times. So there you have it. (laughs) Think about that. Now I will tell you one thing I do really want to see in the near future. I would love to try a Tahatsu. I don't know about big outboards, but I know smaller outboards, Tahatsu is the way to go. Yeah, I'm interested in the... But all my friends that run duck boats, they all got Tahatsus, and them things are pretty sweet. Yeah, I I used to run Tahatsus in Arkansas on duck boats, and I loved them. They were really, really fast, very reliable. I liked them a lot. Another brand that is getting a lot of good reputation um, or good feedback or whatever lately is Suzuki. I haven't tried one. I don't think I've ever even been on a boat with one, but uh, I've heard a lot of great things, and I know the mechanics think it's the best out there right now, at least. So The, ma- the main thing with the Suzuki that is awesome for a selling point, Yamaha, I'm not, com- I'm not 100% sure, but I know the warranty Yamaha is the smallest, I believe, warranty on outboard. Then it goes Mercury. But those Suzuki's, they have six-year warranties. So that's Holy huge. Moly. If you're not using, you know, your boat, like you said, every day, and you have a six-year warranty, the average person that buys a boat normally won't even keep it for six years. So that's why you're seeing a lot of Suzuki's on boats because, you know, if it breaks, it's, it's warrantied. Hundred percent. Yeah. I have a I have a friend who uh, owns uh, a Cito up there in uh, Steen Hatchie, Mr. Sammy Royal. Hey, Mr. Sammy. Um, he has twelve boats, I believe, 
and everyone will have Suzuki on him, and he swears by Suzuki. He loves them. So that that is one thing to look out for. Yeah, if you've got 12 boats and don't have motor problems, that, that tells you something right there. That's pretty impressive. Well, moving on to question number 16. By the good old man of Johnny Cash, what is the worst possible name that you might give your child? And the whole Johnny Cash reference, if you've never heard the song, Boy Named Sue, give it a Google. Absolutely hilarious. In the song, they na- Johnny Cash names his kid or whatever Sue because he knew that his child would have to have to get tough or die. <laughs> it's a great song. Anyway, go look it up, Captain Dustin. What you got? I got like I, I, you know what like, like Jamie <laughs> would be the worst for me, for especially for a boy. Like Jamie, because I'm gonna be a girl's name or a boy's name. You know, that'd be so confusing for little little children. <laughs> what what was that? Uh, the, he was a football coach for the Bears, and his name was Dick Butkus. Like Dick Butkus. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a player. He was a player. He was an asshole. Have you ever read about him? He was horrible. No, but how do you grow up with that name? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like listen, you should really read Bob on Dick Butkus because he was an asshole. He would like gouge people's eyes out when they're in the dog pile. Like he was horrible. I would be too. If that was my name. Have to get up get, or die. Get up or die. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Captain Drew, what you got? I don't really have one off the top of my head. I think anything that rhymes with your last name shouldn't be allowed. That's just me. Anything that just doesn't go right, I don't know. I don't really have one per se, but... Uh, I'm trying to think of a name that would rhyme with a last name. I'll tell you what, in high school, I knew a guy, his last name was Guy, and his first name was Harry. So his full name was Harry Guy. <laughs> 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 what what asshole parents would name you that? <laughs> Gosh, that's terrible. Oh, man. Well, that's bad. <laughs> Harry Guy. Oh, man. I like to make fun of myself for Hunter Harry ass, but I let it go. <laughs> anyway, have I told y'all that – so I just, y'all know I just got married, right? And my dad is – well, I probably shouldn't say that here. Anyway, there's nothing to be proud of for this last name. <laughs> so, so my wife's last name is Champagne. So I pulled the 2022, and I'm changing my last name to Champagne because, like, why the hell not? <laughs> Hunter Champagne. Yep, it's happening. I don't give a darn, so, like, why not? And I, and I thought it would be cool to, like, have kids that grew up with the last name of Champagne because everywhere they went, they'd be like, oh, that's such a cool last name. And it's not sure. Harris. Harris <laughs> <laughs> is so white bread, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more of like a Publix butter toast, but that's fine. Anyway, Captain, <laughs> Captain Matt, what you got? So, honestly, this is pretty funny, but I always wanted to either do Chum or Pilchard. I mean, tell me that would not be cool. Like, 
If this, uh, kid, if this kid was a captain, dude, and his name was, like, Pilchard, like, come on. You are the guy who's going to name their kid, like, Rocket or Steel. <laughs> dude. Okay, so my – oh, man, I don't even know if I could say or this. I don't even know if I should say this. No, I'm not even going to say it. But uh, Too late now. you got to. Oh, man. So um, you ever see them funny TikToks where it's like names in the South and it's like WD-40, brake cleaner, axle, you know, ball <laughs> joint? <laughs> God, I don't want to say it. Okay, so my sister named her kid Axel, and she's from Alabama. So... <laughs> And the last name is Colt. Oh Lord, no, no. But you're telling me you're telling me Chum or Pilchard would not be a cool last or a cool name. Actual, actual is a horrible. That's a pretty like not common, but it's not uncommon. No, 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 no. It's not bad at all. But I'm just saying, like, it's funny. Like I always laugh when I see those uh, TikToks because it's like Axel, you know, bright cleaner kind of. Thing. She must be like a Guns N' Roses fan or something. It's from the South, baby. Axel Rose, Guns N' Roses. Roll Tide. That, Roll Tide. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, moving on to the next one. Question number 17. What is the best weather conditions for fishing? Captain Dustin. Uh, for me, I find most of my luck, let's see, I don't want it to be a clear sky. I want there to be some clouds. I like there to be a little bit of sunshine, but, you know, some clouds, um, because when you, when you have no clouds, that means it's a high pressure. Uh, anytime you have a high pressure, excuse me, barometric pressure. So a high barometric pressure means the fish just aren't going to move as much, uh, and then you go to the opposite end of that. If you have a, a super low barometric pressure, the fish just aren't going to move as much either. So I want, um, I want to, I personally find the best success when the, bar, the barometric pressure is dropping. Um, so like it's going to be a little bit of overcast. It's going to be the barometric pressure is going to be dropping. Um, I like a little bit of wind, but not a super amount, a super crazy amount. So like five to eight is perfect for me. Five to eight knots of wind is perfect. Um and yeah, and no no rain. <laughs> I don't care about rain or anything like that. But the barometric pressure and um the wind is my main concern. So as long as it's dropping as long as it's moving, the barometric pressure is moving, like it's either rising or falling, and then uh a good little bit of wind but not too crazy wind and then that's perfect weather conditions for me. So how what does uh the pressure moving mean does that mean there's a front coming or a front going or is it just nothing's it, it, going it, on it, it could mean it could mean that uh, so our cold fronts a cold front is pretty much just a high pressure system and when the pressure gets super high we don't as humans we don't feel anything like we do not feel the barometric pressure at all the barometric pressure affects these little tiny microorganisms that are in the water. And so when there is 30 pounds per square inch of barometric pressure on these little tiny organisms, they don't move. But when the pressure drops, 
that it makes them twitch. So when they twitch, it makes the other fish, like the the smaller bait fish, come and they eat that, and then it, it grows from a, it goes from a chain. So the smaller fish start eating the, the organisms, and then the bigger fish start eating those, and then the really big fish start eating those. So everything moves when the when the little organisms start moving. So when the pressure drops, it makes them all twitch, like pretty much like the plankton. It makes them twitch, and. Um, then everything starts feeding. It, it just starts a, a feeding frenzy. Um, but if the pressure is super, super high, nothing moves. And if it's super low, nothing moves. So like wow. when, cold, when, when cold fronts come in, it, all it is is a big high-pressure system. Like because if you notice, the past, what, let's see, four days, there wasn't a cloud in the sky because it was so high-pressure. And it just makes the fish not want to bite and not want to move at all because nothing else is feeding, so they they don't want to feed. So right. rising or falling pressure and then just a little bit of breeze, I find that to be the perfect fishing conditions. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that at all. I thought it was more tide-oriented than it was pressure-oriented. That's pretty cool. Well, the tide, the tide's affected as well, but... The barometric pressure that has a big impact as well. Very cool, Captain Drew. What you got? So I am with Captain Dustin there. So any uh, you don't want any clear day because if you can see the fish, you know they see you already. So if you have a low ripple or something, you can kind of use that advantage sometimes. And I find those beautiful, perfect days that bite does turn off. It doesn't, you know, it feels like it doesn't make sense, but it does if you look in the, the terms that Captain Dustin said. Um, so any kind of day, you don't want it too rough, but you don't want it too calm. That happy medium, it's nice. Um, and just make sure that that wind is up a little bit, but not a whole lot. And, yeah, rain, rain kind of hit or miss. You know, you, as long as it's not a whiteout, Obviously, I'm probably going to be out there as well. Um, yeah, that that's my go-to weather kind of conditions are that like. Man, I was so wrong. Like I, I really thought that it was 100% tide oriented. I didn't think that it was pressure oriented at all. That is news to me, Captain Matt. Uh, so I agree with everything they just said, um, pretty much to a T. Uh, but, dude, the nastier the weather is, it's, I don't know why, but it always seems like I do better. Like, quotes, quotes. Like, <laughs> just every time I'm stressing about something, like a charter, yeah, yeah. I, it seems like I kill it. And you you know, because I've even texted y'all like, I don't know, man. And then next thing you know, I'm limited out on gags and 30 minutes and we caught 100 reds. Like, yeah, this needs to be like a, you can't let Georgia listen to this episode at all. But that day that you went out and were truly dodging lightning bolts was probably the best day you've ever had. Yeah, it's just like, dude. Those rough weather days does something, man. I I took my boat out uh, when Hurricane Irma was supposed to be a hurricane. I fished that day, and I killed it. Like, I don't know what it is, man. It's the, the rough weather days. They do me good. It's because of the I pressure. Do, yeah, no, I, I know. Think that fish, but 
I'm saying, like, go-to weather for me is, like, not, like, horrible, like, oh, my God, we're about to sink. But, like, you know, when it's raining and dodging lightning bolts, that's when it seems like the fish are just going crazy. Yeah, I, I do think, yeah, I do think that uh, fish can sense that a storm is coming. And a wise man told me one time that if you you, you always eat because you never know when it's going to be your last meal or you never know when you're going to be able to eat again. You know, so like if there's food in front of you, you better eat it because it could be seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve hours before you're able to eat again. You just never know. And I think that uh, fish have that same mindset when they feel that a, a storm is coming. You know, like even sharks, like we, it's the opposite for sharks. When we, when a big storm is coming, we can't find them. They head to deep water, or we don't know where in the world they are. And I, I mean. They have to know. I mean, there's no way that they don't know something's coming. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. They can oh, feel – I bet they can feel the pressure change. Like, it's just – because storms cause the beverage pressure to change, and, and they can feel that 100%. Yeah. Storms come, and I can feel it in my foot. Pork and beans. My knees hurt. <laughs> Roll tab. <laughs> Number 18. <laughs> do you have any trade secrets that you do that nobody else does? Like any quirk, anything weird, tie it up something weird, tie a freaking anchor rope to the cast net. <laughs> what do you do? Captain Dustin. I mean, I have some secrets, which I wish to remain secret. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need your secrets, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need my secrets. I just want to be, you know, my own. I don't, honestly, no, it's nothing crazy. Like, if I have a secret, like, I don't know that it's a secret because I feel like everybody else does it. So I don't think I have. I mean, I don't think I have any crazy secrets. No. Well, there you go, Captain Drew. So for me, I it's not really much of a secret. I believe that just talking to clients and really getting to know is really uh, what I feel like I do differently. Um, if uh, they're out with me, they know usually if they're a fisherman that, you know, you have good days, you have bad days. Um, and if you can get to talk to somebody, have a good conversation, um, you know, they will nine times out of ten be probably back with you. And that's, you know, my little trade secret there that I kind of do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, a day on the water is a whole lot better than a day on land. And, like, bringing that out and, and talking to somebody is definitely uh, a way to make up for a, a not-so-fun day. Because I'll tell you, the funnest part to me, and me and Drew, I know we've said this before, if you play good music and you have a heck of a boat ride, people will remember that even over the fishing sometimes. Like I know that me and you have been offshore before. We had a 30 or 45-minute boat ride. We had the best playlist on the planet. And when we got there, the people were so pumped up and excited. And they were like, oh, man, what a vibe. This is so cool. I can't believe y'all get to do this for a living. Oh, my God, if I got to do this every day, I would freak, yada, yada, yada. And, like, creating that environment is freaking awesome. Whether you catch fish or not, they will remember that because you created the experience, you know? So right. I agree with you. 
does pull that pressure off too, as us, you know, for us captains as well. You know, um, it's not that awkwardness or whatever. And you're not, you know, obviously, you're always worried about the fish to bite. But if you can get them kind of uh, uh, ease my, of mind and get them in a good mood, and, you know, they, they don't care if that. You know, we might have to go through a, a few, you know, hours or so of you know being slower bites. You know, you can kind of vibe and you know break the awkward silence, and that's what I, I try to do. Especially, you know, you hit that big wave and you look and make sure everybody's okay and they're vibing, they're having a good time. You're like, oh, I'll do it again. And I'm like, my back would be broken if I did that. And uh, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Captain Matt, what you got? Um, So I like to consider myself kind of like a, uh, I don't know, same thing. I'm very personable with my clients, but uh, I also don't really follow the beaten path of everybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, most of the people that work here, they kind of all stick to one side of the bay. I go to where I grew up and kind of where I know. So, like, when I'm on my charters, a lot of times I don't see anybody else that I work with. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of my specialty, I guess. Like, we have the new guy training right now, and he's like, dude, like, you're the only person that I've been with that doesn't turn left when they get out of the channel. (laughs) you know it's just like everybody knows those certain spots i like fishing areas that aren't really well known to everybody like yes those areas are still good but i like going to stuff that isn't really as pressured um and then another really cool like tip same thing with bait this is i get people looking at me like i'm a crackhead but it's awesome um if you got bait on a tower and there's really not that much tide flow and the bait, you know, is underneath the tower to where you can't get your net to sink underneath it. It's called rodeoing it. And you actually use the boat and you circle the tower and then you prop wash them out from underneath the tower and then throw your net. Genius. I have seen that done before and that does work. It's pretty dangerous, but a lot of times it'll work. It's funny when you pull up to a tower and Guys are, like, sitting there chumming and chumming. Sometimes I don't have time to do that, and I'll blow them all out, throw one, be done, and they're like, what the? Like, what just happened? (laughs) Kind of, like, tips the trade of being on the water all the time, you know, just, you know, learning those little tricks that make your life a little bit easier. So I'd say that's one of my weird uh, corks, like, as far as, like, you know, getting bait and stuff. I got a lot of really weird ways that I can get it where I guarantee I get it. For sure. I think another thing that you're really good at is scouting. Well, I don't know. I, I would call it knowledgeable scouting while on a charter. I think that um, you you have a really good mind uh, to know, like, where the fish would like to be, and you're willing to try that spot even while on a trip because you're confident in it. Even though you might not have been there before, I think you have that confidence, and I think that's really important too. Like, when me and you were on that one charter together with clients, like, we went to spots that looked good, but nobody's ever tried, and we smoked it. You know, like I, they had yep. a blast, we had a blast, and we went to three spots the whole time, and two of them we've never been to in our lives. You know? Yeah, that's so. One of the hardest things, like for me personally, is so the way I grew up fishing. Like, say if I were to launch my boat with my friends, okay, we would go and fish docks. We would fish rock wall. You know, we would fish stuff that took a little bit more skill 
to get those fish to bite, you know, having to skip a bait underneath. And when I got into chartering, I realized, like, crap, that's not going to work. You know, half these people, they have the reel upside down when they hop on the boat. So <laughs> what I to do is I learned this trick from Dustin, and it's one of those things where, like, you know, you go to an area that you know that there's fish at. Like, you know 100%. You can go there. You can catch some snook, catch some reds, whatever. I will go to those areas, and then I'll kind of look around as I'm fishing at, and say, like, okay, there's a cool little spoil over there. Well, we just caught the heck out of fish over here. Let's go try this little spoil out, you know, and it's either really, really good or it's not, and then you go somewhere else where you know you can catch fish. But that right there, that increased my, you know, fishing spots. Like, now it's, like, not even a question. Like, today I had planned, all right, I'm going to go run way north. I'm going to go to Alafaya. And then I ended up fishing a spot closer, and then I just stayed in there all day and did fine. Like, you know, it's just. I like being optimistic. I like, you know, fishing new stuff. And, I mean, if you know how the fish react, a lot of times you can find more and more and more of those areas. And then same thing, like, with off days. I'm not really ever off. I mean, I love fishing. My off days are my time to go take my boat out and go fish for myself. I never fish areas that I've fished before, ever. On my off days, I pick an area in the bay I haven't touched. And then I go fishing there. That way it gives me more and more spots to take my part on this tougher day. Absolutely. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. All right, two questions left. Question number 19. Who has the best hair on the Poseidon team? <laughs> and why is it Matt? <laughs> oh, you got to have the flow. I think the best hair belongs to Brian. <laughs> The best hairline for sure, Brian. Oh. <laughs> He's <gonna Yeah>. <laughs> oh my lord! No, Matt, Matt, Matt has it though. Matt's got that. Uh, well, he had the mullet when he first started, but he, he kind of shaved that off. But he it's coming in. Oh, it is in. It's a hot thing. It's 2022's hairstyle. It's coming back, Captain Drew. I'm going to go with Captain Mike for sure. Oh, bald. <laughs> <laughs> took, took me a minute. I was like, what's Mike's hairstyle? Yeah, bald. So, uh, yeah, probably the mullet. The mullet got me. Real, it reeled me in, no pun intended. And Captain Mike. It. Yeah, it's like, uh, hate to see her go, but love to watch her leave. You know, you just can't stop watching, you know? Yeah. That is, that is the mullet. Captain Matt. Bro, so, listen, I had this conversation with, like, all of my clients, right? So, like, if we're doing really good, I asked them, I'm like, listen, so when you show up for a fishing charter, right, do you want a dude that's got this clean-cut haircut, or do you want some kid that's just got this, like, long, blonde, nappy hair, looks like he lives on a sailboat to put you on fish? Right? I mean, what is Oh, yeah, like... Straight like, off the strip dock. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, what is this kid with just this, like, crazy hair? Like, that's the kid that knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Make it till you make it, Matt. I'm all in. I love it. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, I, I, I cut my hair, and, I, dude, I'm, I hate it. And, honestly, it's funny. So, I talked to Ethan today about it. I'm like, dude, it just doesn't feel right since I cut my hair. Like, I, I got to get it going back. The flow is just, I don't know, man. Got to have some curls. 
<laughs> I will say that I am a big fan of um, Captain Dustin's beard. You used to shave it off. You used to let, you know, like you didn't like it or you kept the baby face or whatever. But the beard is, I'm a fan of. So that's, that. you need to keep it. I'm a big fan. Have you seen him wears a beanie? He looks like a crackhead. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I I think, listen, I love Drew's beard, too. Drew has a nice, nice fucking beard. You got to cut Dustin some slack. He's from Dixie County, so, like, it's a different scale, you know? Yeah, there's got to be at least 90% crackhead look to you. (laughs) <laughs> oh man alright last question and this is a great one because it is so important if you are on the water to have good music and a good rocking playlist because uh, it sets the mood and gets you pumped in the morning going to catch bait or even headed to your first spot so Captain Dustin what is your go to song while on the water my go-to, so <clears throat> I start this off on every single charter. I'm sure y'all have heard it. <laughs> it's uh, Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. Every single charter, I start that off. <laughs> I love that song. I don't know why, but it just, you know, gets me pumped up. That's a good one. Uh, I, this is the one I'm most excited about because I'm sure whatever you say next, Captain Drew, is going to go onto my playlist. <laughs> today. <laughs> so, Captain, because you, you've got a great one. By far the best one on the team. Captain Drew, what is your song? No pressure, by the way. Um, so, my my go-to, actually, before I even get on a boat, I, every once in a while, if it's been long week, you know, we're very busy getting hyped, is every day I'm hustling. Yeah, you just got to hustle. It's just name of the game. Every day I'm hustling. Yep. So going out, but, you know, again, going back to good vibes, getting people in a good mood, you can't go wrong with reggae. Anything uh, reggae. With your brother. Yep. I'm a, I agree. Captain Matt, what you got? Bro, you can ask Drew. My bait run playlist is absolutely fire. Um. <laughs> We listen to Stitches and, like, the most hardcore, just straight-up thug rap to get me going in the morning. Like That's, that's what you need. 4.30 in the morning, bro, you just you got to jam out. Yeah, a good old thug rap and a monster energy drink. Dude, <laughs> the I'm dream. Full, full throttle, baby, not monster. Oh, yeah. man. But, no, like, dude, I, I'm, like, the most weirdest person. I can go straight up so nasty, and then I can listen to Alan Jackson on my way home. Like, yeah, no limit to it. But in the morning, dude, I got to play some, like, just hardcore thug stuff to get me going. Like, there's, there's nothing better. There's and nothing want- better than an Alan Jackson, Daddy Let Me Drive. Yeah, oh, I mean, dude. That, is, whew, that song right there, and... Dude, I, I yeah, I could listen to Alan Jackson and then I can kick it to Stitches. It's just I don't know. For the One past two weeks, it's been Morgan Whalen's Broadway Girls. That's what it's been. Oh, bro, years. that song has been awesome. <laughs> Pegasus. I will say, in every, 
everything that comes out of Morgan Whalen's mouth song-wise. I know we got in some trouble, but when he sings, man, I am a fan. I absolutely love that dude. I will say, though, to add to um, the vibe, there is nothing better than a 6 to 10 p.m. shark trip with when it is flat calm out there, full moon, and Phil Collins in the air tonight. Oh, total vibe. Absolutely incredible because you can see for miles. It's like being, you know, out there in the middle of the day when there's a full moon and it, you feel like you're on the moon. It is incredible. Highly recommend it. If you've never done it, go out in the middle of the night and drive as fast as you can and listen to In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Great idea. Dude, I'll tell you what, too. Another song that, like, in the mornings, like, on my way to work that I have to play and after my charters, like, just every day is um, Vacation by Dirty Head. The one where it's on like... Vacation. Oh, yeah. Every day. Yeah, that song. Because... This is my occupation. Like, that song right there gets me in the mood every single day because it's just like, this is what I'm made to be, you know? Like, yeah, I'm on vacation every day, like, literally. Preach. Even when we're dodging thunderbolts. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're dodging <laughs> thunderbolts, we got to play some, like, hardcore rap because we're just, yeah. like, being thugs out there, just dodging them. So nasty. Well, anyway, that's a wrap for episode number four. Go team. Till next time. See ya.